episode of Talking Movies. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rod Sani. And then your other co-host, Sam. Thank you for joining us. Um, in our next Oscar episode, which we're about to get into, we're going to be talking about Get Out from 2017. Then we'll be digging into the 90th Academy Awards after the fact. Um, Sam, you kind of alluded to the fact that we were going to do Call Me By Your Name originally. Um, and then that sort of skewed a little close to the Moonlight topic that we discussed in the last featured episode. So, so you suggest Get Out. And I'm really glad that you did because... Um, Get Out, I think, is definitely a more interesting talking point than, than Call Me By Your Name, but I also just think it's such an incredible movie, and there's just so much to dig into with this movie. There's so much to discuss. There's so many different interpretations of it all, but I'm, I'm curious before we get into our thoughts on the film itself, like, do you remember when you first heard, like, Jordan Peele is directing his first movie, and it's going to be a horror film? Like, do you remember what you thought about that when you saw the first trailer? Yeah, I was thinking in my head, I was like, this is, it's the same guy from Key and Peele, you know, that Jordan Peele, because, you know, up until then, we've only known him to be a comedic actor on a sketch comedy show on Comedy Central, like, you know, to hear that some guy like somebody like that, we've seen this guy before, like A.A. Aaron and like the, those like uh, <laughs> like the Hingle McCringleberry and all that. And, like iconic, they're like iconic, yeah, yeah. But like to put to put that individual into the horror sphere, kind of really threw me off. I was like, wait, is this like a serious? Is it like a scary movie? Is that, right. That's my first, that was my first thought. It's gonna be like a like a meta scary movie type of movie. And, and that's certainly what it is. It's not like it strays away from comedy. There are definitely some funny moments in this movie, but but like. I, I don't know. I kind of went into it with a certain, certain confidence just because how iconic the Jordan Peele, uh, the Key and Peele sketches were. Um, and, and like, you know, they, they were they were all viral, like basically on the Internet and whatnot. And everybody knew them. Um, so I just had to trust this guy was like a smart writer. Um, and I would I would I imagine that that tra- would have translated to the horror. But because it was such a, you know, on its surface, I think it looks like a pretty big jump, like going from comedy to horror. But they're both supposed to like sort of push you out of your comfort zone. And we've talked a little bit, I think on this podcast, the sort of fine line between actually comedy and horror and how some horror actually makes you laugh because it's just making you uncomfortable, not because it's funny. Right, so like right. in that sense, I kind of had a little bit of trust in Jordan Peele, but like, you know, going into this thing and getting what we got, um, my personal thought on this movie is that like, it, it's the kind that requires multiple, not even like two. Yes. I, I've seen this movie, yes. I think four or five times now. Absolutely. And, each one has been more rewarding. And I'll say on the first watch, actually, like I was kind of underwhelmed by it. I remember coming out of it and thinking it was really structurally well made. And I thought it was like, you know, Jordan Peele definitely has a future as a horror director. But I was like, people are talking about this thing in Oscar for Oscars in February. I don't quite get it. Um, and then I went back and revisited it when it hit Blu-ray. And I was like, ah, OK, there it is. Because of just how many layers and details are plugged into the entire thing. And that's why it went on to win Best Original Screenplay. But I, I don't know if you had a similar experience. I. Yeah, ex- literally the exact same thing. I, like, I went to the theater. Like, everyone was talking about it on Twitter. Like, you know, Jordan Peele just made it, like a masterpiece in horror. He, like, completely broke the mold. And, like, this insane and say like great racial satire that kind of ties into the horror genre and i was like oh really so this is the kind of movie i'm getting into when i got into it you know it's, it's like it was a solid movie you know um good tension you know well well directed well written you know but i didn't pick up on the subtleties i didn't pick up on the stuff that was like the easter eggs in the background like the like the like the nudges towards like um like homages to different um movies yeah so like i was like you know it's, it's solid yeah I, th- I liked it but then people were talking about oscars i was like wait really you guys yeah, think right. this is like, a, like an oscar worthy movie uh-huh. then, then I, before the oscars actually i think maybe i rewatched it in january or february before the actual oscars premiered i was like yeah there it is that's i i got like a same exact experience like i was like i was waiting for that you know multiple viewings to up 
appreciate it more as as it should have been because I didn't pick up on everything, every single thing on the, on the first watch, and that's why we always talk about the how essential it is to rewatch stuff because you know you might appreciate it differently, or you might notice things the second go around or the third go around, and this is a movie that kind of like you really learn to appreciate with each and every viewing because you pick on pick up on something new every single time. Yeah, I don't know if you also felt the same way, but like it was also, and this is why I think I can't quite consider the movie like top echelon. Like I think it's probably right around, um, if not like sort of at the bottom, my top 10 horror favorite horror movies of all time. It's definitely up there, but why I can't like push it into the top five is because I still think it's kind of predictable. Like I knew where it was going to go. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it hurts the movie, but it, it holds it back from being in that like elite tier for me. What, what do you think? Um, more for me because of the fact that it's like in the horror genre, it didn't, it didn't scare me. I didn't get, you know, that sure. particular fear factor out of that movie, but okay. you know, because of the fact that it does play on the like the shining, mm-hmm. uh, Rosemary's baby, the separate wives. And you also get like this, you know, this really well, weaved tale of like the racial satire that I was just speaking about into a horror genre and it feels like it just melds so well yeah that's why I like the movie so much and, and that's I think where I think a lot of the fear is dr- drawn from in this movie is this is the racial commentary I think he called it like a social horror film right or so, yeah, something along those lines right like he, he he picked up on the on the cultural zeitgeist yeah like the, the sentiment around what, what's going on with like the racial injustices in America and you know race relations between white and black people mm-hmm. and he does that very well doesn't preach at you with the movie at all he just right it feels very natural when he the way he the way he did it no that's a great point he doesn't preach at you and it goes back to something that we talked about a while back with uh, lovecraft country where like the horror element of that show is actually not scary but like if you look at the first episode of that show um the scene where racial tensions are high and that slow mm-hmm. slow speed chase and whatnot like that's the most tense and heavy stuff and i think that that's sort of what jordan peele is well, trying to hit on with this film well the best part about it is the fact that if you I like the comparison you made because i wanted to bring this up like mm-hmm. jordan peele's approach to it isn't like overt racism that he's tackling it's like the subtle white liberal racism right. that people don't <laughs> pick up on like people don't realize that you know you may be a, a woke person or a progressive person right there's these actions that you take that are racist that only like this is what we talked about where like only a black person could have made this movie because you know mm. no one else other than a black person could have picked up on these cues the way that jordan peele did with this movie yeah and, and i mean like speaking of that original screenplay play when jordan peele is the first african-american uh person to win best original screenplay which i think is sort of baffling in itself like i mean you think about innovative filmmakers like spike lee not having won that award to black Klansman, like the fact that Jordan Peele was the first one to win it, I think is in some ways um, momentous, but in other ways, it's disappointing the fact that it took until 2017, 2018 for that to happen. But like, I mean, this movie did get nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Daniel Kaluuya, which was really exciting to see him break Mm. into the race as well. Um, And it's crazy to think that Get Out, like of all the horror movies that have been critically acclaimed over the past few years, Get Out is the one that sort of broke through to the Academy and, you know, got got the nominations the first real i think genre fair since the sixth sense probably um and and joining a pretty elite group with like the exorcist and silence of the lambs and whatnot um i, I don't know if you were at all shocked by that because the momentum leading I, I was so excited about it okay even if you think about think about it in hindsight like movies like the big not the big like lady bird and three billboards mm-hmm. wouldn't work without Saoirse ronan or francis mcdormand that's because of their acting on top of the writing. You know, The Shape of Water wouldn't have worked so well without Guillermo del Toro's direction. You know, The Big Sick, you know, is a, is a great movie in its own right. But when you take what Jordan Peele did with Get Out, making it a genre movie and making it this, this really biting satire on race relations, you know, it's it's the writer. The, the writing is right there. Like, it's all 
you know, it's all laid bare. Like it doesn't need anything else to make it better. It it already is great. And I think that's why it's won that, that award. Yeah, it's it's really crazy and so, so deserving. But um, let, let's sort of transition that into like the nuances of the script and why I think it's so brilliant. And it does add to like Daniel Kaluuya's performance, but also like Alan, Allison Williams' performance. Like there's so oh, much yeah. working for this movie on so many different levels. Like, <clears throat> you know, you watch this movie the first time and you, and you just think that like Allison Williams' character is sticking up for her boyfriend and, and, you know, trying to set an example or even just, you know, acting as if she's sticking up for her boyfriend. But as you like dig into how smart the screenplay is, you realize like, no, like, the, you know, when the, when the cop asked for his license, she's like, no, I don't want to leave any sort of like trade or anything to leave back to our yeah. family this guy was coming to our house or whatever and it just like it sort of snowballs from there all the way up to like the you know it's it's throughout every single layer of this film i'm curious if you want to dig into any of those first or if you want to kind of just touch on it from from a surface level level no, yeah, yeah i'll get into that real quick i just want to mention the fact that Alison Janey is pretty underrated in this movie because she plays that part so well like you, you feel like you're sold on her part up until she does that turn at the very end yeah but you know i, I really I, at the offset like you know you see the get out titles like during the during the, uh, the credit sequence in the beginning of the movie you see like the get out and the teal blue letters with it which is an homage already to the shining and then you know you hear the music in the background it's swahili you don't really understand what it's saying but i looked it up and like the subtleties like really at the offset like the it, the lyrics translate to brother listen to the ancestors run and then you know it transitions into <laughs> them going into like their apartment, and you hear Childish Gambino's Redbone playing in the background. Like, you just feel like it's like something that's to set the tone or like to set the mood, or essentially just to, like a good song to introduce the character. But if you listen to the lyrics, it goes, "So stay woke and words creeping. They gonna find you, gonna catch you sleeping." So the lyrics already, even with just the title sequence, mm-hmm. introduces you to like the subtleties of this movie. Yeah. It's already at the offset. Like even when you see Rose, she has she has like her hands full like with groceries and stuff going back to the apartment. And instead of knocking on the door like with your foot, like your hands are full. Usually we lock on the door with your foot, right? Mm-hmm. She knocks on the door with her head. So that kind of gives you the indication that you know this, you could you could read it as something is wrong with her mentally. This movie has to do something with your head. You know, it, there's a lot of interpretations, but the reason that, I, like Jordan Peele, did, it, all of this is deliberate. Like he's yeah. doing something. He's telling the audience members that you know, hey, there's something to these scenes. Mm-hmm. There's like something to read into. Like you're not, you're not, you're not tricking yourself into thinking there's something there. There is something there, mm-hmm. and that's why it's such a brilliant way of it's done. Like it's right, right at the beginning. And like, you know, you mentioned the fact that Rose, you like, you know, when she gets stopped by the cops, she's like, she's very, she's this very woke, progressive individual calling out the cop for his racism. But mm-hmm. really, in the actuality, it's just like, she doesn't want to leave a paper trail. Yeah. She doesn't want it to, the cop to realize, hey, this guy's missing. I saw this guy with that girl that one time with the deer, yeah. you know, putting the pieces together, essentially. Yeah. And then like, you know, they hit the deer, they go to the house, they meet the family. They're these really like, you know, like the type, my favorite a description of this, this is something that Jordan Peele actually retweeted is the Armitages are the type of people who would say they love the movie Get Out. So that's the, that's the vibe you can get from um, Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener's characters when you get it first introduced to them. Yeah. But there is this really interesting thing. This is this, you know, Dean Armitage, like they're telling him, yeah, we hit this deer on the way to the to the to the house. And he goes on to this rant, like this really weird rant. He says, like, oh, I'm so glad you did that. I fucking hate deer. You know, I'm, when I see a dead deer on the side of the road. I cheer it on. Like, I'm so happy about it. There are rats. Like, if they're like, that's like, um, 
like he's not talking about deer at that, that point. He's yeah. talking about black people. Yeah. Like that's that's where you pick it up. Like that's why um Daniel Kaluuya has that moment with the deer when he's like when they, after they hit it he approaches it after he's hearing like it's like it's bleeding it's like bleeding out and all that and then mm-hmm. the woods and he's just like has that eye to eye contact with it like he, there's that's the connection right there. It's <laughs> I think the the term that that he uses is black buck right and, and that is I think a derogatory racist term from back in the day that was used to sort of he said um, that I, I believe that was if i'm remembering correctly that was the term um because i remember reading somewhere that that is also a derogatory racist term that was used a long long time ago really um, and i think i think that's the term that he uses in that speech that he's talking about and if you're like familiar with history which i was not it was something that i found in the research that i was doing of this movie after you know the third time that i watched it but um if you were you know if you were familiar with that sort of terminology that was used back in the day you would have picked up on a lot of these things going forward but you know from what you're saying in terms of the connection between him and the deer it's like he walks over to the deer to check on it whereas uh allison williams rose's character um she cares about the car he's just like yeah she's just like you know concerned with the cop like get off get off our tails and then she's like all right we got it we got to get going like she has no sort of empathy or anything for this dead deer that she hit on the side of the road whereas uh daniel kalia is over there trying to like you know just like you said exactly making that connection with it that's it's really really continues over with the tour of the house like he's like he shows him the picture of his grandfather or his father as a picture like he lost to jesse owens he like he he almost got over it and then he points to the basement he's like we don't go in the basement we close it off because of black mold yeah so he's like it's a black mold because people are used as molds for Mm -hmm. white people so like it's it's so He's so smart with the yeah. way he did these things. Mm-hmm. And like it's all deliberate and it's it's just so fun to pick up on when you're watching this movie over and over again. Yeah. It's I mean it's also like it's in the actions of uh Georgina and um the the person the person who I think is Walter, right? Is the person yes, who the father's put into like um in their actions like when when the the running scene obviously became iconic like there was the get out challenge and stuff like that but like and, and you know if you're not paying 100 close attention like the whole jesse owens conversation could kind of just blow by you and brush off as this sort of you know just casual chit chat somebody trying to relate and like that's that's where it's also smart like you know he's trying to relate his own experiences to a black experience obviously connecting it to jesse owens but mm. then if you bring it full circle it's like it's also the fact that you know walter is seen running and that that's the sort of hint that the grandfather is actually, you know, in there because he, like you just said, almost got over, but never quite got over. So he's still kind of training to try to get past that sort of, um, you know, whatever it is, that thing that's sticking with him where he's like, I, you know, this thing, I, I, I lost this race. I lost this race. I want to try to come back from it. He's still training. And even in Georgina's accent, how she's just kind of like mending, taking care of the house and whatnot. Um, there, mm. there, I mean, it's, it's in, it's in like every scene it's packed into every scene. And I'm like, I, I that's where I feel like us sort of faltered because I feel like us was actually, okay like at best in my opinion but i feel like jordan peele got so consumed with the fact that he had layered so much into get out where there's not a wasted scene not a wasted dialogue nothing like that in get out wasted i feel like he got too concerned with trying to accomplish the same thing with us and i don't feel like it have you seen us since then uh no i've only seen it once because i haven't i just haven't been you know motivated yeah but like get out at least i liked it the first time us i didn't even like the first time so like i'm not motivated yeah but yeah, I mean, like even with just like cultural subtleties, it's not even it doesn't even stop. There's like there's also the plot subtleties of what's going to happen at the end. You know, even when Caleb Landry Jones, who doesn't get enough work, oh, he's I, so I good, I, he's so yeah, good. I just love seeing him and everything he does. Yeah. But he like even in that, in that dinner scene, he's like talking about his genetic makeup. Like if he goes, bro, if you could just like you know 
just didn't didn't pussyfoot it just train as hard as you could you could be a fucking beast right and he's like really intense about it and you can see like when it pans to rose's character you think in the first time you you're introduced to her you're like she's being weird but in that moment you realize hey you're gonna give it away you're gonna scare him away stop right it. yeah yeah and, and, then, and then it translates more into when he meets all the people from the from like those people coming into the house for like for that for that event or whatever it is and then you know like he was like he's like i was like how's your golf swing let me see how you, how your form is and then they see like the lady is like is like is is, it, is what they say is true you know is is he down there you know and then he starts to feel him up on his arms to see his strength and all that like and then the one is like you know black is in fashion like they want to be cool and all that and all that is revealed at the end of the movie but that just speaks to how you know these like like white liberals that he Jordan Peele put into his movie commodify the black body. Like that's something you could see like very much now alive and today because of the fact that when you see like a sports person say something political online, what do the comments say sometimes? When you scroll through those comments, you would see people say like "shut up and dribble," "shut up and you dribble," know, yeah, you know, stick, stick to stick to football. We didn't. We're not. We're not here to see you talk about politics. Don't be political because people only see them as these objects to entertain them right they don't see them as individuals and that's something that jordan peele translated into this movie into these like, like this maybe like 10 15 minute scene at the, at the patio in the backyard mm-hmm. and that's just like you know it's both the plot subtleties and the cultural subtleties at the same time and he just struggles that seamlessly like it's nothing yeah it's like that that whole backyard sequence it's like it's a show right basically it's like, right it's this showcase for all these people it's the auction friends. yeah exactly exactly and like it's like a slave auction yeah and it just it like like we've been saying time and time again like it just works on so many different levels where like on one level it's just like you know this family is parading around the fact that like their white daughter has a black boyfriend and then on another level it's like the fact that these people are actually like you know sort of researching this guy and like you said the auction portion of it like mm-hmm. and that that's hearkening back to the fact that they auctioned off slaves back in the day which is like you know there, there's just so much tied into this thing and it's like even it even ahead. extends further like the cultural appropriation like the white guy i forget his name um who plays like the blind person who wants to take over Stephen root who plays right. jim hudson right yeah. he, he he wants to take over um daniel Kaluuya's body to take over his eye like yeah. he wants to use his black experience his his art, a black person's art, and appropriate it for himself for his own gain. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it just, you know, it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. And he does such a good job. But, you know, that's like, this is the first act. After yeah. that point, <laughs> you have to, tra- you have to transition. No, not, no, we forgot one of the, a really important scene mm-hmm. between the tour and the, the auction scene is when he, he meets with Catherine Keener's character and, and, the, and the therapy session. The, the most iconic scene, right? Basically, exactly. She's like, she's like, he's like, sink into the floor, and then they do that like weird uh, effect on her voice. She's like, sink. Yeah. And he just like goes into the sunken place. Mm. We see his like trauma for the because of what happened with his mother, and you know that scene where he's like trying to reach for, I guess his eyes or reach for his consciousness. Essentially, you know, it's 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 incredible. I mean, I don't know how he thought of that. Yeah, it's and, and, and like the visual on top of it, like it, it's just like it's so beautiful, so stunning. And it, it came out like with like some of the most iconic, like also artwork of the movie, where like it's mm. like, you know that entire like black sort of frame, and then a lot of that. Like there, there's one there in particular, I think it's like a white Daniel Kaluuya, like in the sort of center of this just black frame where he's like sinking, and it's just like this movie sort of it's gonna last time like it's going to stand the test of time because of so much of like that you know it has the themes and 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 the imagery it has everything going for it and i think that that's what's so special about it um 
I, I kind of want to get into Daniel Kaluuya's performance because like, yes, I think, you. I think that like that year was a pretty competitive year for best actor. And we'll, we'll get into that discussion in a second here, but like the fact that Daniel Kaluuya was able to sort of sneak in there at the end. Um, it, it's weird to call it a sneak because like he just so very much deserved it. And like, I just love like, you know, in the widow's trailer and in the Judas and the black Messiah trailer. Now it can say Academy award nominee. Yes. Daniel like I, I just <laughs> love that. That visual is just so exciting. I love it so much. And he's like, I mean that, that scene that you're talking about, like the, the single tear dripping down his yes. face. It's just like, yes. how do you do that? Like the still frame on his face, like not everything else is blurred out. It's just, you can hear the his... fear in his voice. Exactly. It's so good. He, he is like, he's, a crazy, crazy discovery. And he obviously been doing some work before that, like with Sicario and Black Mirror and whatnot. But mm-hmm. this, this was the breakthrough, right? This was the big, big role for him. Yeah, those two scenes where he's in the chair, like the one where he's at the therapy session and also the one where he's in the basement right. and he's which, like watching watching the TV. With- there, there's another like sort of Easter egg. I, I, you might've picked up on it, but like the fact that he has to like pick cotton from the chair mm-hmm. to save his life, basically that's another big one that I think- It's uh, like he's um, like the stereotype of slavery. It's kind exactly. of using, it's like flipping it on his head. Like it's reverse. Like he's like, instead of- instead Slaving him, it saves him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's that's a really good thing that uh, crazy that, uh, that Jordan Peele did. Yeah, little details that like you know maybe a handful of people would have picked up on the watches. Like I would have if I hadn't seen that swirling around Twitter or whatever. I don't think I would have ever picked up oh, on that one. You know what? The one thing that kind of caught me off guard, like there was a scene where after the turn happens and he's in the basement by himself, and we see Rose um, cackling on her keyboard looking for like NCA top oh, prospects or whatever. The Fruit Loops thing. I thought that when I first saw it, I was like. No, the thing they're just trying to push into the fact that she's insane. Like, she's who the weird. Fuck, yeah. Who the fuck eats cereal like this? But yeah. it's like <laughs> separating the whites, the color, the uh-huh. the milk from the Fruit Loops. Exactly. Exactly. So Another thing, like I would have never picked up on, but like, it's yeah, it's in like, your face. Like, it's right there. Uh, it's so it's so brilliant <laughs> and like it's so terrifying at the same time to think that like that's like you know it's it's to an extent it's an exaggeration but it's drawn on a certain reality, a certain experience, and like that's just what makes this movie so 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 impactful. Well, I want to talk real quick about the other two very big guys in this film, both being Lakeith Stanfield and Lil Ray Howard. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> Lakeith, you know, I, I adore Lakeith. I think he doesn't get enough work as is. Like he has one main character on his belt with a sorry to bother you. And I wish we could see more of him. But whenever we see him on screen with like either Atlanta or, 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 or this movie, or he actually had a movie come out last year with Issa Rae, the photograph. Oh, the photograph, yeah. But, um, in this movie in particular, he does such a great job of selling himself Sam, as white you know, you, know how, you know how long a year this movie, or how long a year 2020 has been? That movie came out in February of this year, I think. No way. I think, I think so. If I'm remembering correctly, that came out this year. <laughs> this year's exhausting, man. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, so like, there's this really great, right in the beginning, it's like uh, the, he's like walking through this neighborhood, this suburb. And Jordan Peele does a great job because, like, usually, he like like when you see these sequences of people being scared, like they're in, like they're in a dark alleyway, they're in, they're in somewhere like in an inner city. But with Lakeith, he he's like walking, talking to somebody on the phone, and he the first words that he describes the suburb as is creepy because he's an out of fish out of water because he doesn't recognize the the, the setting, and it's like it's at night. You don't re- usually see. Um, like these horror movies, except for Halloween, like the only one that comes to mind being placed in the suburb at night. And like, I really enjoyed how he interjected that. But when we see him as he is, as a regular individual, as um, what's his character's name? Andre Logan, Andre so. Howard, or Andre, Andre something. I'm, I'm not sure. Andre, whatever his name is. And just like as, as a normal guy, you see um, Caleb, Landry, Caleb Landry Jones's character with like the weird ass knight's mask or like knight helmet come up and approach him. And then the next time we see him again, he's playing this 
uh, this white guy in a black guy's body and he sells it so well mm-hmm. like it feels like it, there's a white dude inside like he's body because of how he sells it like with the way he pronounces words the way he stands the way he's dressed sure. and then you see it and that's in the exact same scene with when the when the when the when the light flashes from uh from chris's camera mm-hmm. He he flips essentially just just like that. He, he like you see like the the transition happen on, on his face. And he's like he, he's like you know, his face drops. He gets like his consciousness back. You see like the color go back into his eyes, and then you see his nose bleeding. And all of a sudden, he realizes what's going on. He has his consciousness back, and like the first thing he needs to do is tell this guy to get the fuck out of that house, or else you're gonna be at, be in the same situation that he is. And then, you know, that's just, you know, great acting. Yeah, yeah. Lakeith is great. And in small doses, obviously, in this movie. But um, I think perfectly, perfectly cast as, as the character that he's. But, and then with, yeah, and then with Lil Rel, he's just like the heart so, of the movie. He's so funny. He's, he's so funny because he's the only person <laughs> that believes Chris and what's going on with Chris. And, you know, he's brushed off by the police. And, he, you know. He believes it before Chris even believes it. <laughs> exactly. He's like, you can be a sex and shit, bro. <laughs> he, he's like, he's like, he's talking on the phone with Rose. He's like, he's like, yo, Chris. He's like, he's like, Rose. And then you know, we see that transition happen. He's like, he's like, like he notices that there's something weird going on. He puts her on mute. He's like, he's like, you lying motherfucker. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And he's like, I'm going to put you on speakerphone. That's that TSA shit. <laughs> and, he, and he puts his phone on speaker and he's like, the whole scene happens. Yeah. But like, he's the only person that actually believes Chris and he comes, he comes to his rest but in that scene where he's trying to escape the house and you know you see chris's hands around the rose's neck and you see like the flashing of the of the cop cars and you're like oh my god my heart sank wow man man because you know what's going to happen because you know in real life and i see a black guy chosen choking on some white girl in the middle of the street yeah what's the first thing that a cop's going to think yeah exactly and i don't know if you know this but there's actually an alternative ending to get out where that is actually a real cop car um he becomes he becomes a martyr in that yeah yeah which i i think jordan peele decided to cut that because it was just like too dark and i think he said like close too close to reality right he wanted to have make chris become a hero because he wanted to be he wanted it to be outside of reality right so yeah, I mean, you know, Jordan Field just does a great job. With this I mean, he he's such a good, he does such a good job that like in any other movie with like any other filmmaker, right? When that car door opens and you see TSA, like nobody else can sell that the way that Jordan Field sells it. Like, I was like, fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> the like rousing, but also humor and also just like relief, like the sigh of relief. You're just like, okay, thank God he's not gonna get arrested. Like it's it's so good. It's it's so good. Um, and I guess this. Uh, do you, do you have any other thoughts, or should we go ahead and get into like? the oscars a whole now for that year i think we can get into the oscars i don't think i've talked a lot yeah so like i mean yeah it obviously won best screenplay there but i mean it's a pretty good year you know looking at it that best picture a lot is shape of water call me by your name darkest hour dunkirk get out ladybird phantom thread the post and uh three billboards like that in that year, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if any of those movies won, if I'm being completely honest with you. That year, you were actually really championing The Shape of Water, even with yeah. Dunkirk being yeah. up, up there with Chris Shape, Nolan. Shape of Water was my number one that year, and it's definitely fallen since then. It's, it's simply because I haven't revisited it. If I revisit mm-hmm. it, it could definitely jump back up, but it's just like I've Justify forgotten. your feelings? Yeah, I've just forgotten so much of it, because, and that, that could be part of it, is I haven't been tempted to revisit it, so that, that definitely hurts its sort of, like, place atop that list, well, but, like, I mean, you think about, like, Logan came out that year, too, and Logan was in the best screenplay category. Like, this was a really, really good year for movies. Well, yeah, I mean, that year, I just wanted Guillermo to, Guillermo to win because of the fact yeah. that he's just a, he's a genuine great guy. Mm-hmm. I just love seeing him just be happy, and I just, like, love the fact that he won for Shape of Water, and or for best picture and best director because we could have seen him up, up on stage twice 
Yeah. He's such a, like a, such a genuine guy. Like, I just love the, the Shape of Water wasn't my favorite movie there. I thought it was a solid movie. Mm-hmm. But because of the fact that it was Guillermo's movie, I just wanted to see him up there because of that fact. His two speeches also are, are some of my favorite Oscar speeches of all time. Uh, the one in the Best Picture one, I believe he says something like, you know, this is a door, kick it open and, and yes. come through. Like he's, yes. talking, you know, he's talking about the struggles of making it in Hollywood and especially as a Mexican filmmaker to, to be where he is standing now. Like it's basically speaking to the fact that anybody can make it, right? Like, and, and that's so inspiring to see. Let me ask you real quick. That year, it was like, you know, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman. He's going to get his first Oscar. He played Winston Churchill in this movie called Darkest Hour. And, you know, in that same year, we see, you know, Kaluuya, you just mentioned the fact that he was nominated for Best Actor. Same with Daniel Day-Lewis for his retirement for Phantom Thread. And, you know, Timothy Chalamet just burst out onto the scene for Coming By Your Name. Do you think that it was justified? Or would you want to see somebody else be win that award? Well, uh, I think from that lot, I think Gary Oldman was deserving. Um, I think people were sort of bashing that performance, saying it was like a caricature, but it wasn't. I think people were just not, they just didn't want Gary Oldman to win, so they were just trying to tear Is him there down. a reason for that? I, was, I, I thought he was he's, respected. I, I think he's had some controversy in his past. Nothing too crazy if i'm not mistaken but he's definitely had some minor controversy i think people are so enamored with chalamet in that um and call me by your name which we talked about on the previous episode that they just wanted you know this young ingenue to come through and make it but if i'm being completely honest with you i think the three best performances of 2017 weren't even nominated for oscars and that's hugh jackman patrick stewart and daphne keen and logan those three performances the fact that not a single i I know patrick stewart had a lot of momentum going into Mm -hmm. this race but like i mean daphne keen to come onto the scene with logan and not earn a supporting actors nomination with two veteran actors and she was like one of the best in the scene she steals that movie it's insane and and i'm just upset that you know i'm really glad to see that that movie was like another sort of breaking of the mold for for a superhero movie to break through and get that adapted screenplay nomination was exciting but the fact that it didn't get more than that i guess is a little disappointing yeah i would have loved to see james mangled up there for director you know jackman jackman go out go out on a high note with a nomination for that role like that would up until that point up until that point i thought prisoners was his best performance Mm -hmm. then you know logan came out and it just fucking knocked me on my ass that scene where he has to bury uh, Professor oh, X. My oh my god! Like the, the the subtle, like the subtle, no. just like the tears. No, no, and, oh no, my god! No, no, not the scene where he's talking to Daphne's character X twenty three. He's like, he's like, he's like, she's like, don't go, don't go. She's mm-hmm. like, you see the tears in her eyes, and you mm-hmm. see like the life leave Logan's face. Oh my like, god! It was like, so that's what it feels like. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's the Oscar. That's the Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> and, and even following that up when she gives the speech over his grave, and then she changes the cross to an X. Oh I my love, god! That, that movie's so good. It gives me goosebumps every time I talk about. I love Logan so much. And this is the same year that Coco came out too. Coco, yeah, that Coco, Logan, and Lady Bird are probably my three favorite movies from that year. Oh oh my god. Dear Basketball won the Oscar this year, too. That's right. Yeah, Dear Basketball, Kobe Bryant's entry into the animated short. John Williams did the music for that too, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, that that was crazy. And Roger Deakins won his first uh, Oscar for Blade Runner. Oh, was that Blade Runner's year? I'm actually shocked that Blade Runner didn't get more. Are you any surprised by that? Because that was. I was broken by it <laughs> the, 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 i think it's because it was a box office bomb nobody saw it i think i think that was what hurt it most but it did win visual effects as well right um i think it beat uh war for the planet of the apes for visual oh effects. war came out that year too and last jedi came out that year last jedi that's, that's a good year man we I mean, we keep talking about these years like <laughs> and you you look at some of these other movies like mudbound mudbound came out that year um i Tonya oh, came up. out that 2017. year 2017 oh yeah allison janey fucking yeah. monster class of a yeah she won the oscar um 2017 movies i mean i'm blanking it, it, it was a really 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 good year for movies and the disaster artist Oh my God! The, the Golden Globes. The, the disaster artist is so interesting to like 
look into because like the fact that Franco was really supposed to be that fifth best actor nominee and then his um his harassment claim came out like a week before Oscar voting opened oh, up. Oh yeah. And then, that's why Denzel's in there for Roman J. Israel because like nobody really saw Roman J. Israel and that movie was not critically well received at all. And Denzel just managed to sneak in there because Franco That's what I'm saying. That's, that should have been Hugh Jackman's spot. Yeah, I agree. I think it should have been Hugh Jackman before I love this... Denzel, but like uh, nobody saw that movie. I didn't see that movie. Yeah, I didn't either. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Proof. Yeah. This is the same year that Sorkin came out with Molly's Game for his de- 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 debut. Was it de- yeah. De- debut? Yeah, yeah, directorial? his directorial debut. Yeah. Um, was Chastain nominated? She wasn't, right? No, she wasn't. Yeah, Francis McDormand, Sally Hawkins, uh, Margot Robbie, Saoirse Ronan, and Meryl Streep. Um, it, it's it's pretty disappointing the fact that Chastain didn't get in there because I've talked about. It. I love Molly's Game. I think it's really really good, and I thought Chastain was was great. But Real that's- quick, there was a conversation around that year with uh, Three Billboards. It being you know yeah. a movie that kind of doesn't address the racism essentially from Sam Rockwell's character who won that year yeah, for yeah. three billboards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, three billboards, I think was like my top, one of my top, top five of that year. I Maybe, think it was yeah, my, it was my fourth. There, yeah. I really enjoyed that movie. Like I, I adore Francis McDormand. I, I love Sam Rockwell and, you know, um, I'm blanking on the director's name, but he made uh, in Bruges with um, Brendan uh, Gleeson and, Colin Farrell and yeah. I just adore that movie so like you know it had everything going for it for me but then I saw the conversation around it being the fact that it should have been a movie about a redemption essentially about Sam Rockwell's you know bigoted character and I was like what kind of movie were you guys expecting out of this from the trailers yeah it's it begs the question of what kind of I don't I, I really didn't understand it yeah at all um here's the thing I, I don't you know I, I understand the sort of justification or lack of justification, I guess, for, for the racist a- aspects of Sam Rocco's character and having him sort of be redeemed towards the end of that movie. Um, I, I, I liked the movie. I just didn't think it was as good as everybody else was making it out to be. Um, I, If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't even know if McDormand, as good as she was in that movie, should have won Best Actress that year. Hmm. Uh, I mean, like looking, you know, I think the person that most of us were supporting for supporting actor was Willem Dafoe for the For Florida Project, and, and he felt like he had a lot of the momentum on oh, top yeah, of that race. Oh yeah, Florida Project. Yeah, I forgot um, about that movie. And then, and then towards the end, Sam Rockwell just picked up a lot of momentum and got through. But I, I still think, you know, that movie itself, for me personally, is is just fine. It, it's just fine. I'm not all that concerned with the controversy around it. Hmm. Um, but like you know, looking at the best actress race, I, I still think Saoirse Ronan should have won that. Like I, I don't even think it's close. If I'm like, I think Saoirse Ronan's best performance of her career is Lady Bird. Um, and I'm really, fa- you know, like looking at the best director as well. Like you know, the fact that you have first time, two first time filmmakers and, and Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele breaking into this race alongside the names of Guillermo del Toro, Christopher Nolan, and PTA. Like that's pretty crazy in itself. Mm-hmm, um, and, and you know, you can you can appreciate I think the fact that these guys did push out guys like Martin McDonough who made three billboards and and some Thank of these. Yeah, and, and but like you know, it sucks not to see like Luca Guadagnino in there. Although I didn't even love calling by your name, I would have loved to see him get nominated because I like him as a filmmaker. Sure, um, it's it's just that competitive a year, and and there's just like so much. There's so much other stuff that was so deserving in so many of these other categories, and it just sucks to see some of these movies not win as much as I I feel like they deserve. Honestly, well, then another question for you: Out of the you know, I think I feel like every year I have a movie that I don't like. Like I, 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 it's confusing to me. They see it up there with the best um, picture nominations. Do you have that, that for this one? Because for that year it was the post. I thought the post, the post was like just really boring boomer porn. I actually, I actually love the post, and I don't know if you oh, remember <laughs> um, the. There was like a 
a joke at the Golden Globes. Jimmy Fallon, I think, was the host that year. And like in his intro, he was like, "We have a movie about the Washington Post, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep." And this like uh, one of the awards, like the person who's handing out the awards, comes out from the back with like five awards in her hand. And Jimmy um, Jimmy Fallon's like, "Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet," because <laughs> it's just like <laughs> like you're saying, it's just sort of like Oscar bait, like Oscar form. Basically, it was like made for the Oscars. But I, I actually love that movie. I think it's it's really it was- exceptionally well made. When I went to watch it, I was the youngest person in the room. I feel like every, every single person in that room was at least 15 years older than me. But it does such a good job of digging into that controversy and uh, like digging into how those journalists really discovered it. And it's such a good companion piece to all the president's men. Like it, it shows, you know, one side, like the business side of the journalism and then the uh, all the president's men shows the journalistic aspect so, of it. So, so then would your, I think maybe your answer would be either Darkest Hour or Darkest Three Billboards. Hour. Yeah, Dar- Darkest Hour, I think, was my least favorite of the group, but I, I still like Darkest Hour. I didn't no, yeah, sure. it. Yeah, it's just like, I think of this lot, I th- but it's the most, like, it's one of the most Oscar movies of this lot. Um, oh, well, I forgot about to talk about this one movie that came out. You Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix. That's that's a good one. That didn't get nominated that year for anything, right? Completely it, got, like, out. it got, like, spirit noms, I think. Um, another good movie that was, I don't think was in the race, but was also in a similar category was Good Story Ragnarok. Oh uh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> I think Thor Ragnarok might have been in my top ten that year, or at least close to it. But uh, what, I watched what, that trailer. I think it's like my most watched trailer ever. Ragnarok. Intentionally, because there was there was this joke that came out, or that Raj was aware of, where every time I went to the Alamo Draft House, <laughs> there was this movie about Downton Abbey, and I swear to God, I watched that trailer from February until September because of just how, like, I don't, I, I was like, I was like in the Twilight Zone because of that trailer. But other than that, I think Throw Ragnarok was a movie I saw, or a trailer I saw most of my life. At least the most, like, in my opinion, the most innovative Marvel film. Um, it's also well, Taika. <laughs> yeah, Taika. I love the fact that Taika's still in the Marvel family, too. Um, what are your thoughts on Phantom Thread? I know we discussed a little bit here, but maybe we can get a little bit more into it now. Um, I like Phantom Thread. I think I, I, think I need to rewatch it. I was kind of confused about what a movie was actually about, because when I saw the trailer, I thought it was about, like, some guy who kept secrets in the lining is a woman's clothes yeah. and like his wife found out and like it just unravels from there but it turned into like this really toxic relationship between these two individuals mm-hmm. so i gotta rewatch it but i thought it was good like i i enjoyed it i thought it was solid it was kind of thrown off by what i was expecting versus what i got because yeah. of the trailer no fair enough um another you know we're speaking of coco coco is in my top five favorite pixar movies of all time a little spoiler for that pixar ranking that we're gonna do soon oh god um, i think i gotta do some homework then but uh remember me <laughs> winning best original song was was so exciting to see that because I, I thought that the greatest showman song um was it this is me right i think that, that i thought that was oh gonna, yeah the I very poppy gonna, catchy yeah, song exactly i thought that was gonna run it was like the trailer song and everything too like right. i thought that was gonna run away with this so does he remember me oh um, snag the wind coco's music is incredible coco here's a here's a question wasn't that the one that came out with that short story bow where it's like the this uh Asian yes family. yes where the mother eats the child. yes yes <laughs> That should have won every Oscar. Was that this year? Here, I'm going to look to see if I can find it in the animated shorts. Um, it was 2018. It was, it was 2018. So it was the year after that. So what was 20, was that Incredibles? Incredibles 2, I think, was the next year for Pixar. I'm, right? I'm, I'm going to look at it. Um, it I, says... It yeah, it says Academy Award. For, it actually won the Academy Award for Best Short Animated. Yeah, so, but it must have been, yeah, it must have been the next year then. So not I only pulled it up because I was looking at the movies I haven't seen from Pixar. I think it's just... Um, What's that movie called? The, the Good Dinosaur. Oh, I like The Good Dinosaur. I like all Pixar movies, but um, 
yeah, good dinosaur. I, I think that's the only one I haven't seen. Okay, so you do have a, a little bit of research. I'm, I'm sure you'll rewatch some as well. But I, I cars, cars too. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fact that yeah, the fact that Coco won too. Here's like we talked about we talked about Dunkirk plenty, but like the fact that Dunkirk was in the race here and won so many of the craft awards, I think was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is, is there anything else from this Oscar race, or maybe even a movie that came out this year that didn't snag a nomination? Yes, actually, I was talking about it. Or was it reeling coming by your name? in our last episode i was blinking on the cinematographer's name because i thought he would he should have been nominated that year his name is sayombu muktipram sayombu muktipram is he i just wanted wanted to put that out there has he done do you know if he's done any other um he he worked back to back with guaranino with uh by her name suspiria oh he did suspiria he did suspiria that was a very well shot movie was suspiria the next year or was it two years later it was the next year right 2018 um yeah it was the very next year okay um yeah, I don't. I, I, are you surprised that Last Jedi didn't get more? Because it, like, I know fans didn't love Last Jedi, but it was a critical darling. Um, are you surprised that it didn't snag any more nominations? Mm, yeah, I look. When I first saw Last Jedi, I was completely ready to put that movie on my top ten all time list. Like, I was completely floored by what wow. Ryan Johnson did, <laughs> and I would, I would have loved to see him like a Best Picture, Best Director. You know, I would have loved to see Kylo. I, I think. I, I should have. I, I would have loved to see um, Adam Driver be being nominated for Kylo Ren at some point. Sure. Uh, yeah, I would have. But actually. you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really expect the Oscars to get it right every. Actually, they get it wrong pretty much. <laughs> mother, so. Mother was 2017. Oh, I really enjoyed Mother. I was like, it's like I'm on, I'm on the side. I'm the, I'm the good side of Mother. I did not enjoy Mother. So <laughs> Hostiles. Hostiles is another one that I think Christian Bale was in the running, right? For Timothy Chalamet was actually in that movie too. Oh yeah, he had a minor role. That, very, that, very that small role. That had a pretty big cast, didn't it? I think Donald Gleason. No, Donald Gleason was who? Who else was in? Paul, the was Paul Pike. Dano in that movie? I'm trying to think. There was somebody else that was in that movie that I just can't. Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike Chalamet. was the girl. Yeah. Um, hold on, I'm pulling it up. Uh, Jesse Plemons was in that movie. Ben Foster. Ben Foster. Ben Foster. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's right. Jonathan Majors is in that movie. Oh, was he really? I don't even remember him in this movie. His name is Corporal Henry something. I can't see. All yeah, this. I don't remember. Stephen Lang's in this movie too. It's a pretty big, big cast. Bill Camp's in this movie. I don't remember that either. I need to revisit Hostiles. <laughs> that's a tough movie to rewatch because that movie has like it's, no levity to it. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, director of upcoming Antlers, which we are both still like waiting for the re- official release date whenever that movie's going to finally come out. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's all I have for this year. Anything else that you wanted to add? No, I love Sam Rockwell. I love Logan. I love Gamer Del Toro. Close it off. All right, cool. That'll bring us to a close for this episode. Sam, let people know where they can find you online. You can find me on my Twitter at Sam Zero So and I'm on Instagram at Sam Osorio, O-S-O-R-I-O. Find me at Rod 236 As always, please to, please be sure to check out our show notes for resources on Black Lives Matter. Also be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends, family. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other popular platforms. We'll be back later this weekend with a regular news.